Hi, everyone. This is Maxine Ryan with Prosper Podcast. And today's guest is Dan Toomey, who is heading up. <laughs> he just did peace sign to me. <laughs> Don't make me laugh while I do the intro. Sorry, sorry. I won't say anything. Um, well, actually, like, this is why we have Dan on this podcast is because he's just so hilarious and he is heading the news and laughs content at Morning Brew. Um, no doubt you would have seen his hilarious takes on everything about business, world news and finance on his TikTok and Twitter. But I wanted to invite Dan on for his take about being a financial creator and the changing landscape of social media as news. Um, just before I introduce him, please take some time to just like and subscribe to this podcast if you want more episodes like this. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. If, if you want more episodes like this, that's that's going to be a question <laughs> that's answered at the end of this podcast. They have yeah, no idea if they want more episodes like this. <laughs> don't don't fail they me. They went okay? on it. Then they saw they saw. I don't know if I'm going to be in the thumbnail of this, but they saw like immediately the first clip, and they're like, "I don't want more episodes of this. <laughs> this is the last thing that I want." <laughs> it's the shirt. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why this shirt. shirt? By the way. Well, this is, I've played, uh, well, actually, I love this shirt. I had this before, um, I had this before I became a content mule. I had this when I, uh, my my senior year of high school, I got this as like a birthday present. And it's this brand called uh, Rowing Blazers. And I really, really liked their stuff, but I couldn't afford any of their stuff because I was, I was in high school uh, and I didn't trade crypto. And uh, my, like, my mom's friend knew the guy who created it. And so she managed to get me this one. And I've had it forever. And like, there are only so many occasions where you can wear this. And so uh, one time uh, for a morning brew video, I had to play Google and I was like, what do I wear to be Google? And then I was like, I have the most niche article of clothing <laughs> to be Google. And so this has been that shirt. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. And we'll be sure to put it in the <laughs> thumbnail, but you know, I yeah. think this is a really good segue into like how you ended up, you know, being a content mule, as you said, like I was doing research <laughs> on you and you're like a summer associate at the mayor's office of Los Angeles. Like you've been doing like a lot of different stuff over your yeah. career and like, you're quite young, right? Yeah. I'm 23. Yeah. Like how, like what, like how have you done all this stuff? <laughs> and then how have you like ended up being now a content mule and like, yeah, like affecting your mental health. <laughs> the, that's good. I'm going to change my LinkedIn bio to just content mule. Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, so I graduated in 2020, uh, class 2020. I went to USC and uh, I did a lot because there was the, I think it, it might be, I, I don't know if this is like a modern student thing, but I think there's a certain anxiety to just like get internships like all the time, always. And I kind of had this perspective. So everything that you've seen, like probably on my LinkedIn or anything is like mostly internships. Cause that's the majority of what I've been doing for my professional career. And, um, the, the mayor's office and all of the internships I did after that, I knew like it was, I wanted to work in some type of like public job. Like I like being around people and I like talking to people. And so I like a lot of people see internships as like, Oh, if you do this one internship, that has to be the career path that you want to do. And when I was like uh, applying for them, especially earlier in my college career, like I didn't get any after my freshman year. Um, and then I didn't get many my sophomore year, but I kind of took it as a, like a, oh, well, internships are not full jobs and they're actually designed for you to figure out if this is what you want to do with your life. And so I applied to like everything I thought I could be, be at least decent at. And um, that was an awesome summer when I got to work for the mayor's office. And, and uh, I actually got that job 
um, or internship because I had worked for the Olympics actually like four months prior. Um, and so I worked for like the specific group in the mayor's office that was working towards Olympic development in 2028. So wow. it was like, <laughs> it was a very niche job, but, um, uh, yeah, so that was like, I, but then like, I ended up doing more like general comms work for them. So, yeah. So how did you like go from there to, I guess, like working at like NBC and the mm-hmm. like, ABC, HBO, CNN, like I feel as though from there you kind of got into media. Yeah. I'm, so I was, I studied journalism. Um, and in college I had done a ton of journalism and theater and, and comedy. Right. And, um, while I, I, I worked in politics, but I found out that it, that was like my summer to be like, okay, do you actually want to do media? Yeah. Because like, listen, when you're starting college in 2016, saying that you want to be a journalist, it's like the, that's like the worst thing you could do for yourself. <laughs> like, I think people would have thought it was, would be better if I like got a theater degree, but I was like, no, I want to be a journalist, which like people used to make fun of like, like lawyers. And like, that was the job that everybody make fun of. And now mm-hmm. it's like journalists, but like lawyers make money at the end of the day. And like journalists yeah. don't. So it was like, we kind of just got like the worst of both worlds. But I was, uh, after the mayor's office, um, you know, I had done a ton of work at our student newsroom at USC and, um, I applied for, I, I forget the order of the internships, but like, I had always kind of kept my foot in like the journalism world by doing stuff on campus and always reporting for our, our, our media outlet on campus. But then I had also uh, worked really hard at, at sticking with my passion of like theater and comedy and writing. So I like wrote a short play. I like would act with my friends and I was in like an improv troupe and I would like, I did this sketch show. Like I did, I did a ton of stuff in college and I, I like, I worked at it, but it was all fun. So like, um, so when it came to time to apply for stuff like CNN or, or, or HBO, it was like I had the dual experience in media and like the creative arts. And, and you know, you can find ways to to kind of uh, explain why that would be beneficial for that job. So, I mean, all great places and all really amazing people that that uh, that I've worked through, uh, worked with uh, through those jobs. Yeah, I, I mean, were you did you feel jaded at all? at these like media outlets and like now you've kind of you're doing something kind of similar but in like with a different medium like I've always been interested in like talking I guess to like younger people who maybe are interested in being a journalist and then Mm -hmm. they've chosen to be like a TikTok creator for example like on whatever they're interested in. Yeah I mean I think like uh, the 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 definition of like journalism is 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 super fluid uh Mm -hmm. like you know I guess there's like, there's big journalism and there's small scale journalism. Um, but I think when I was in college, there's so much pressure for you as a student to want to work for like the biggest name companies, right? You're like, I want to work for CNN. So like when, you know, when my parents are like telling like their friends about like what their kid's doing, they're going to be like, oh, my kid works at CNN. And like, you're like, okay, we secured that bag for the summer. Like we're good. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think so. Then I worked for another big media company after I graduated too. Um, and it, it, you know, I in college I really liked being like a self starter. Like I, I, you know, I would keep working on the stuff that I was passionate about. Um, and and that's just like what I did for fun. Um, and so I was like, if I could just apply, find a job where I could do that, uh, and essentially just create what I what I feel like I, I should be creating, what my biggest value add is to this whole like sea of media that exists today i would love to find a way to do that and and monetize and so um like yeah i mean i could talk about like how media has changed uh like for 
forever. I mean, the idea of, of, of people like becoming their own journalists, like one of my like journalistic heroes is this guy named Elliot Higgins, um, who created, uh, this, um, who created Bellingcat, which is essentially a, um, open source investigative news, uh, organization, but he was literally just like some guy on his couch in Ireland who would use open source information to conduct his own investigations into like international war crimes. And now people who have worked for his company have been hired by like the New York times and stuff like that. And so I feel like a lot of where the most innovative spaces are in media are just driven by people who have this like obsessive journalistic uh, <laughs> compulsion to just like pursue something just because they're they're obsessed with it. Yeah. And then like larger media companies who are focused on, you know, making sure that all of the ground is covered like across the world can see that picking can can see that happening. And then they eventually like will will try to pick those people up or integrate it into their newsroom. So uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I feel as though anybody now can just, you know, pick up a phone and like share their experience and what they're passionate about, whether it be news yeah. or anything else. But were you kind of like doing what you're doing now? And then like morning brew just picked you up over time. I, <laughs> the way that I got to morning brew was super weird. I didn't like interview for morning brew. I had, so when I graduated, uh, it was during the pandemic which I don't recommend. Uh, I would not do that twice <laughs> because like I straight up had like, I had, you know, like a few things that I thought I was going to do after I graduated. And then the pandemic happened and just like, like swept it all away. And over the course of like two months, I applied for, for legit. I had a spreadsheet of 80 jobs and I got mm-hmm. rejected from all of them. Wow. And it was like waking up every day to another rejection. And you're like, like nothing is going to work out. What type of jobs it, were these? These were, these were mostly journalism jobs. Some of them were in, some of them were in, in like communications. Um, and, uh, not a lot outside of that though. It was mostly media because a lot of the only people who were, who were even posting jobs at the time were media because like we were still as busy as ever covering this stuff. Um, it was just that, you know, one of the things that our professors told us after the pandemic hit was listen, don't email the people who whose jobs you're applying for right now like they're trying to take care of their family just like you are so like they're not going to respond and so so we didn't and so you know i had applied to a bunch of media jobs and i'm talking like every media job i could find i applied to four jobs in alaska and people were like it was it was like it was like literally alaskan public media i got rejected but (laughs) friends were like why would you do that i was like yo i will do anything at this point like and i was like who wouldn't want to graduate in 2020 like gives you the perspective of, of like, I will go do anything for a little bit because I thought I had a plan and then the whole world just kind of like collapsed. And so I could do anything for a year. And so that was kind of the mindset that I had. And honestly, that's what made me open to applying for, for places like morning brew is that I was searching for everything. And then I came across, uh, I came across morning brew on LinkedIn and I had followed Alex, our, our, our co our co-founder on LinkedIn. And he had a post about a podcast host that they wanted for a show that was going to be like a daily show style, um, like episode with business. And I was like, Oh, like for lack of whatever hard skill I I was supposed to learn in college, like maybe this is me. And so I applied for it with a video and, uh, I made it that day. And then I basically like didn't hear from them. And then weirdly later that week, I heard about another job and I got hired by that job. Like two days later that that asked me to move across the country. And as I was driving across the country, Morning Brew called me up and they were like, hey, uh, you sent in a video for a 
for a podcasting job. They're like, that's not what, what we, what we asked for at all. And so uh, they were like, but do you want to come here and do this? And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. And so that's kind of how that conversation started. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's like, that's an incredible story first off. And like, I feel like it was kind of almost meant to be. So did you just kind of ditch that other job you had? Like you were like halfway across the country no. and was like, you know what? It's not going to work out. <laughs> well, no. So no, no, that would have been horrible. No, that, that job, I was, I was covering the election in DC. Um, and I was like, listen, I can't just ditch this job because they're being super great by hiring me right now. Um, and so I basically said, let's figure out who the president is. And then after that happens, then we'll figure out a situation. And so like, we, we pretty much like put it to bed for a while. And then after a few months, we, we picked the conversation back up once it started to look like, um, we knew who was, who was going to win the election. And then, uh, and then I joined in February. Wow. Okay. So yeah. did you join, you said it wasn't for the podcast and instead they had like no. other ideas for you. So what did morning brew like specifically say to you because it's like when I looked on your LinkedIn or anything yeah. else, all I saw was like, like laughs and news. And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, because when, when, <laughs> when I came on, we've, it, that has been an ongoing debate at morning bros to what my job title is. If you have any input, by the way, like, please, I don't know if we can make like a poll on Twitter for this or something, <laughs> but we essentially like, didn't know what my job was. Cause they're like, maybe you're a creator. And I was like, am I though? Because I don't really, you know, I'm not independent. I work for you guys. Mm. And I was like, I, I make videos. Like that's what I do. And so I came on with the title of creator and then I was introduced to everybody at the company as creator. But I've, I have like, cause a lot of people have been hired by the Bruce since I came on. And whenever I've met people, they've been like, so what do you do exactly? And I was like, I I'm, can't answer that question. I'm sorry. And so <laughs> it's, um, but when I came on, it was literally like, it was very startup-y in the sense that they essentially said, Hey, uh, we don't do video can you just figure out what, what video looks like for morning brew and what really, you know, what I really gravitated towards with morning brew was the tone of the, of the newsletter, which I really think is the biggest value add for the whole company. And, um, they're essentially like, you seem to get this tone. Can you pretty much translate this into video? And so we experimented with like a million things. Like we had like a, a 15 minute episode was the first thing I ever uploaded for them. And like, no one watched it because it was on Instagram and nobody watches 15 minute stuff on Instagram. And then we just kind of kept experimenting after that, but there was really no roadmap. It was literally just me as the video team. And that was pretty (laughs) much it for like, it was, it was honestly that like the first like few weeks. And then they were like, this kid needs someone. And so they hired, um, uh, like a head of content who, who worked more with me in addition to, uh, more people that we've hired for video since. That's amazing. Like I, yeah. I just love kind of that idea because I've been a subscriber to Morning Brew for a while now. And like mm. you said, like I love their tone. I love how they cover um, lots of different stories. And I was really happy that they're starting to get into video because sometimes I don't have the time to just like read a read a newsletter, right. even though they do keep it kind of concise. But yeah. you know, how did you start growing your channel and following? And like what, what pieces of content did you start going, okay, this is really going to take mm. off and work? It was, it was those skits that I've kind of, that I do like more routinely. Now we had again, done a bunch of different types of content, like just trying to figure out what, what sticks. And that's another great aspect of morning brew is that it's very much the mindset of like, we will just throw whatever at the wall and people know that we're doing this and they're okay with it because then once something resonates with people, we'll continue to do that. So, um, the, the stuff that really started to do well was, was essentially like 
when I started playing companies. Like I, I remember <laughs> I pitched one time, I was like, what if I just like dressed up as Apple? And the, I think the first video where I did that, and I'm probably wrong, but I was like, it was, it was Apple's uh, privacy policy where people asked apps not to track them. And so it was like, Apple was feuding with Facebook and another company um, about it. And they were like having like a spat, like there were a couple of teenagers or something like that. And uh, that did really well because it kind of just captured the whole vibe around the situation mm. <laughs> and, and how people thought companies were reacting to it. Um, and once that did really well, they were like, oh, this combines like news and acting. So, um, so let's just keep trying that. And, and we've done it since. And there have been some hits and there have been some misses, but that's been like a pretty, um, uh, pretty consistent uh, piece of content for us. Yeah, I feel like you're really starting to kind of understand what works because your takes are getting increasingly better. Like, I mean, I'm really looking <laughs> oh, really? forward. Oh, think so? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I, I like, man, I don't know. Half the time I'm like, is this like, is this either like too spicy of a take or am I just like wrong? Like I, no. I, at one point I'm going to like dish out some take on a company and, and all of Twitter is just going to be like, you're incorrect. <laughs> I mean, so far, I feel like you read the room really well. Um, I think like the one one of the ones that are my favorites is um, the vaccine passport and how like oh. you're like <laughs> trying to enter into a club or something with it. And right. that was yeah, really, yeah. really funny. Yeah, we did that one pretty recently. No, I, I appreciate you watching them though. It's definitely, um, it's definitely been something that's, that's evolved over time, but that one, yeah, that one was fun. Um, it was definitely less like business newsy, uh, not as like tech newsy, but it was just kind of something that everybody was talking about at the time. Yeah, so I mean, I feel as though you have been kind of in traditional news and now more maybe in the experimental side of things. And um, like you said, like Morning Brew is, I don't think it's traditional news. They have their own take, their mm -hmm. own personality. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think that that's just purely a reflection on the changes that we're seeing of like how people are consuming and accessing news now? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. you know, in, in journalism school, you learn, it was like the first lesson that you learn is like Walter Cronkite and, and Edward R. Murrow. And at the time, that's literally all that media was. It was a very hierarchical system of you had like two or three channels that would tell you what was going on. And then you like you turned it off at the end of the day and you're like, OK, that's what happened today. <laughs> like you waited for that to happen at the next day. And if you think about it now, like that's absurd. We, yeah. we can literally access real time events whenever we want now. And that also means that we can access real time expressions from people and how people are genuinely feeling about stuff, no matter how weird or off color that opinion is. Um, and I think, you know, the great thing about Morning Brew is that it just kind of captured the conversational tone in which people refer to news and was essentially like, Hey, why don't we build a media company off of this? Um, in terms of like what I do, like there's a ton of people who interpret the news in, in a comedic way. Uh, I mean, like, you know, my hero growing up, like every morning before school, I would watch Stephen Colbert. Like he yeah. was great. And what I loved about the Colbert rapport was that it was a take on news, but it wasn't like late night shows where it was just like one liner after one liner after one liner. It was this just like absurd world. <laughs> that you lived in and it was just crazy and and you know to a degree we i am not at all on par with that show by the way just like disclaimer here i am not at all on par with the colbert report but um but it was just fun to to, to watch and and you know it was just kind of like a sense that you also res like had with the show um mm -hmm. and and people feel that way and it's not just one tv show anymore and again there are like millions of people doing this and i think that i'm just kind of like one person that does it for morning brew. I mean, like obviously Kyla is amazing and there's a bunch of other influencers in like this 
financial news space that do it. And they, they have the ability to now, because like you said earlier, we all have our phones um, and we have like platforms available to us. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a total shift from where we were like 50 or 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, do you think that um, maybe like Gen Z are, just more into getting news from people that they personally resonate with. I mean, I just don't see like mm. Gen Z looking at traditional news anymore. Like I'm, I'm not even in Gen Z and like, I never look at traditional news simply mm. because it's like, it's almost like I'm suspicious. Like it's a weird thing. When I look at traditional news, I kind of feel like it's very curated and there's kind of like an agenda. But then whenever yeah. I kind of am like looking at creators like yourself and like Kyla and like, you know, a whole bunch of the other ones, I feel that it's a little more honest. Yes. And like, yes and no. I feel like, I mean, other generations do that too. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at something like Fox news or MSNBC, that's, that's pretty, uh, you know, that's pretty slanted news, but their audience is mostly older people. I think it really just kind of taps into something that's just kind of like innate in human nature where yeah. people just want to hear what their opinion is. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, the, and the, 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 the company that I worked for was like a very, for, for a year was a very traditional news organization. Right. And at the end of the day, like, I really think that at its core, uh, journalism is just like literally supplying facts to people without additional commentary. And there are some places that do that and they do that really well. And you're talking about, and it's not like the loudest opinion columnist at the New York times or, you know, the loudest commentator on whatever, but it's literally the people who are like field reporters, uh, field reporters in Afghanistan right now, or yeah. field reporters in Moscow who are literally just gathering information, but you usually don't hear their names or gravitate towards it because it's not that they're trying to grab your attention. It's that they are trying to provide you facts um, which is like, I would much rather eat ice cream than vegetables all the time. Is too much <laughs> yeah. ice cream bad for me? And will I become diabetic if I do that? <laughs> yeah. But like, I would say that like, you know, our media consumption right now, like it's not healthy for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, so I don't know if it's like particularly generational. Um, I think that Gen Z definitely finds their people just like anybody else. But uh, the, the problem is, is that like, like true facts about things are usually like pretty boring and mm. broadcasting that is, is pretty boring. Um, I'm, you know, like PBS does amazing journalism. I read, um, Bob Costas has his own show now on HBO. And I, and I saw a segment from him yesterday where he was talking about the negative side of the Olympics. And this is a dude who had broadcast the Olympics for years on NBC. Yeah. And he's just straight up given the facts of it. And he's talking about how, you know, uh, the Olympics have been mired in conflict and, and it really brushes a lot under the rug and it had less than a million views. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is a great take supplied by a legendary journalist. But, you know, he's not Dave Portnoy. And there's a reason yeah. why people aren't watching as much stuff as his. Um, so, I mean, it's weird. I mean, this has been going on a quick story. My first day in journalism school was this big amphitheater of a classroom. We all walk in. It was all of the students in the journalism and communication school. And we had three professors teach this class, which was an absurd layout for a class. But we had three professors and two of them were like traditional journalists um, from like it was, it was like PBS and another one of the three letter big news organizations. And for the first 15 minutes of the class this is in 2016. Uh, so like everything is happening in 2016. And they lay out essentially all of the problems that are happening with journalism. They talk about the election. They talk about. Uh, you know, a lack of funding for newspapers, uh, a lack of funding for local reporting. 15 minutes, they lay it all out. 
And then, <laughs> and then they look at us, then they look at the board and they go, so what are we going to do? And they were just <laughs> quiet. And we looked at them and we were like, oh, like, oh, oh, nobody knows the answer. And so it's like, oh, we all got to figure this out. And, and like, we haven't done that. That hasn't, we haven't found that solution yet. I think we're working towards it, but um, it's still like, it's such, it, it feels like the wild west out there. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would never really even think of describing like news and like the state of news as the wild west, but like, I love that. Like, I'm not in that space, right? Like I'm a mm. lot more in like crypto and like finance and web three right. and things, but wow. Like I never really thought of it that way. Um, yeah. Where, you know, do you, where do you usually get your news from? Me? I get all my news from Twitter. I don't know if it's like a good or a bad thing. Like mm. I, it's a, it's a weird thing. But, like, but, just but my, who do you follow on Twitter? Probably industry leaders. Okay. Yeah. So, so individual people or like the companies? Like individual is it the, is it the Bloomberg Twitter feed? Oh, okay. So it's like Walter yeah. Bloomberg and people like that. Yeah, it's more kind yeah. of um, usually like I have my favorite journalists, and then I okay. have like the people in the comment section that I kind of like, I guess align with. And then I also follow people that I don't agree with as well, because I always mm. want to have like a balanced view. Yeah. And there's been times like I'm very fluid. I think like I probably have strong opinions, but they can be changed pretty quickly if I kind mm. of have like enough information to kind of make those assessments. But yeah. yeah, I'm much more of a, I personally don't look at traditional news myself. Like there's mm. just something about it where it makes me feel it like affects my mental health. <laughs> mm. So it's like, I, yeah, like I focus a lot more on probably like industry news than I do like global events. Um, for me, that stuff's just way too like depressing. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to like make our podcast like a depressing one, but I was studying international <laughs> relations for like three Could you imagine years. if somebody just came into this podcast right now <laughs> oh, and they, they saw this setup and then we were talking about like, like, you know, <laughs> like depressing international news they'd be like this took a yeah. turn from the beginning but i'm sorry i cut you off what are you saying no 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 but it's i i think the thing for me is that i originally wanted to get into international relations whether that be mm. as like a journalist or anything like that but i felt like very powerless and i think for me i started to look into more business because i felt okay actually like it's a lot of like power to the individual to be able to affect many different people so i just make sure that like my news content or at least like my content diet is like somewhat of a clean one i feel like sometimes yeah. at times like if you have too much information coming at you at once it's yeah. just a, it's a lot like it's just a lot oh my gosh if you, if you oh my like if you're on twitter for more than an hour or any social media platform for like <laughs> more than an hour and you've just been like doom scrolling it's yeah. literally just taking a buzzsaw to your mental health it's like the worst <laughs> thing you could do for it um it really but, is Man, talking about, I mean, I, I was, I'm a really big international affairs junkie and I, and I follow that news a lot. And, and that that's for, for, a, for a point in time, that's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, that is a heroic job, uh, international news reporters. Uh, I mean, I think Nick Kristoff is the goat at that. Um, but there are like so many others whose names we don't know that are out there freelance reporting in places like Yemen or, or Afghanistan right now. Um, and that, that, that is truly um, a thankless job. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a, that news cycle of international news, it really does make you feel powerless because you yeah. hear about a, a new global disaster every day. And it's not like hearing about what's happening in Haiti right now. And it's not like hearing about what's happening in California with the wildfires right now. It's like every other possible disaster. Um, and yeah, it, you can get nihilistic following that path. Oh, so I decided sure. to make jokes about this. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I think this is like yeah, a great segue. Let's like amp up the energy like, this here. Is sad. <laughs> I, I was not is this expecting the, this. Is this the guy who dressed up as Oatly? What is this? <laughs> what is this conversation? <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So as a creator, um, I feel like you have to kind of balance entertainment and information. Yeah. Um, and like, we, we do know that there's like potential for misinformation to be spread just because it's like, you're trying to fit in so much information in like such a short take. Um, what are your suggestions to other creators about this, about kind of walking that line between fact and entertainment? Yeah. Uh, I was actually talking to somebody else about this today and they said like, what do you think the purpose of, of your like content is? And I was, yeah, right. I was like, what? And, um, but, but what I said, you know, I was like, look, nobody should come to me as like, as like their only news source, right? That would be a a huge mistake because what I, my ultimate hope with any of this stuff is that it teaches you a little bit about a certain news story and it encourages you to look into it more. Um, It informs you about like what is happening. So like, for example, today we came out with, um, a video about uh, the the new the fact that Amazon is opening up retail stores now, and um, you know the ideal viewer for me is somebody who didn't know that that was happening, and then yeah. is like, oh what like this this is happening now, and then they go to like a Bloomberg or a CNBC or a Wall Street Journal and they read an article about that. Um, like that to me would be the best in terms of the misinformation spreading through these entertainment uh, uh, news sources. It's tough, like. Uh, what, what I really think is sometimes I see comments where people will say, I learned more from this than I did in like my four years of school. Or like, I learned more mm. from this than I did like reading an article about like from PBS or something like that or ProPublica. And there's a part of me that's like, that's all I'm, I love that you're watching this and I love that you're commenting on this. And then there's a part of me that's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> there's a part of me that's like, <laughs> there's a part of me that's like, 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 like read that article because there's a lot of stuff in there. And you know how I came up with this? I read that article, (laughs) you know, so it, it, if anything, it should encourage people to like another one of my heroes, John Oliver, obviously. Right. And his newsroom is half comedians and half like actual journalists. And these are people who are like, have written some of the best, uh, reporting that's out there. Um, and I tried to mimic that in, in like what I do as just like one person, but I think people should should understand that that you can't get this final product without really great quality journalism. And I'm sounding like the biggest journalism student right now. That's super annoying. But uh, I'm like, yo, I'm so happy that you like this video. But like, go read that article because it's interesting yeah. and, and and you'll learn even more from it. So. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people. um are kind of seeing now, or like maybe younger people they're seeing now, okay, like journalism isn't just maybe working for traditional news. There are so many different paths now. I think yours is like a really interesting one. Um, And I think kind of young people would be more interested in the path that you've taken. So what's like a typical day for you from like when you get up to, I guess like your end of day? Um, I'm sure that you have like so much news coming in, like picking which ones to kind of have your take on. Yeah, um, I do not 
begin my day with an 8 a.m. podcast interview, by the way, <laughs> which is which is super impressive. I would not want to talk to anyone at 8 a.m. I'm it's like only 8 a.m. It's the 5 a.m. <laughs> ones that are particularly you, you hard. Do, do you, sometimes. you do not do 5 a.m. interviews. Sometimes like if the if I'm not saying that you're not important, but sometimes there's a really important <laughs> no, no. guest. I saw I've, I've seen uh, past guests <laughs> that you've interviewed and I've looked at our respective Twitter followings and I was yeah. like, oh, she's really She's really scraping at the bottom of the barrel with this interview. No. That's all right. I was like, that's all right. I'll wear a special shirt and we'll make this a top three interview. That's what we're going to do. I came no, in I swinging you. today. I picked you. I've written a whole script for this, by the way. None of these answers are off the cuff. This is all written is, down. I wouldn't sell yourself short. Is like Because the thing is, it's like I saw Kyla kind of before she blew up. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of like plugged in enough on Twitter to kind of know just before people are going to get massively popular. So, oh, so I'm so not I'm, scraping. So is this, is this after? Or is this after? Or I really hope this is before and not after. This is, this <laughs> is definitely up. before. I, I used to, uh, what, was, what was the first concert you ever went to? Oh my God. I think it was like Mashuga in Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. You, is that, was that like a big concert at the time? Um. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like death metal. So it's like pretty niche. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But um. yeah, it was, it was like a decent concert. And like Hong yeah. Kong doesn't really have that scene. I'm sure if we were in the U S oh, it'd be totally okay. different, but like maybe yeah. no more than like a thousand, 1,500 people. The only reason I ask is because in my hometown, I grew up in a really like super, super small town, like population mm -hmm. 2000 people. And we had one concert venue at our town and it was, we would always describe it as the place where people are either going on their way up or on their way down. <laughs> and like the beach, the beach boys perform there every year. And like it was lit because it was like the suburbs and like everybody from around the suburbs would go to see the beach boys. Uh, my first concert was, was Adam Lambert there. So anyway, uh, back to your original, he was <laughs> He no, I'm on, joking. I'm, I know who he is. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. I was like, am I really going to spend five minutes of your valuable podcast time describing who Adam Lambert is? This is an off-the-wall podcast episode. Um, good. The original question was, uh, was it audience growth? Was that what it was? No, it was like, like I'm really sure that there are journalists oh, oh. out there. You know, what's your yeah. typical day? Like Typical if somebody day. wants a job like yours yes, and they're gonna like, okay, I'm going to be looking up to Dan because it's like Dan's doing things that I want to do. Yeah. Like what would, what would you tell them about like what your day is? Like what's the expectation of like the amount of work and thought that goes into what you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of thought as you could probably tell. Um, the, the, the typical day is uh, we start work usually at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. The first the first messages are sent out like across like our specific end of the newsroom at 7.30. And from then on, we're just reading the news. And I basically spend 30 minutes reading as many stories as I can. And I put together a pitch deck for my editor. And she's the editor of just social in general. So I don't have like one specific editor that I go to. Um, People are like, that makes sense watching your videos. They don't have an editor, but the, uh, I send, so I, I get together a list of, of stories and I, and I have like a sentence or two that summarizes them and they're all about business and they're what I think will be the biggest stories of the day. Um, and then I write a, what I think will be a fun premise to do off of it. So for example, today I was like with the Amazon retail thing, I was like, what if you were actually in an Amazon retail store? We did one about Facebook was talking about the metaverse. And I was like, well, what if the metaverse was, was actually run by Facebook? What would that look yeah. like? So it's literally just like that. Um, 
and then uh and then she will look at all of those and be like three of these aren't funny and one of these might be and she's like <laughs> go ahead and like maybe because like there are some really like some days you're like i am not funny like i slept for four hours last night and like i didn't wow. laugh at any of these but you're like whatever i'll just like i'll just like put this out there and like i love laura's laura um is is my editor and she's the best and she'll just be like i don't even know what you're talking about in this but like maybe go for it and i'll be like sure and from then on uh i so at around that time we have a morning meeting too so it's around like 10 a.m where i hope to get my stuff approved and then i spend like 30 minutes to an hour writing a script i send her the script um and then her and any other writer or morning brew who's available to like pitch in will look at the script and they'll they'll give edits or maybe they'll throw in an extra yeah. line and then after that i will get a final script and i'll film it usually takes about 30 minutes and then i hopefully have lunch and then after that i edit it together goes through a few rounds of edits um and then after that we upload it usually like best case scenario is we upload at 3 p.m usually yeah uh worst case scenario is we upload at five which is usually <laughs> when like the whole team signs off and then mm -hmm. my my day usually ends at around 5 p.m um and then after that i try to go for like a walk because like i find that the best strategy when you're posting content is to post it and then immediately walk away instead of just Absolutely. like following like the likes and stuff like that. So that's usually what my day is. And then I try to go to bed by, I used to get no sleep. Like I used to be horrible about sleep. And since I've worked for morning brew, I've been like very religious about my sleep. So I usually try to get to bed at like 11 o'clock so I can be good for the next day. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, I feel like that's actually like quite speedy. It's like something that you have to do every single day. Yeah. Do you ever have like inspiration burnout. Like I know for me, oh my sometimes, like, <laughs> yesterday, I this is the thing. <laughs> like all the like, time. Are you kidding? Like <laughs> the thing is, it's like I I can't even really relate to like what you're what the position you're in, like to the position that you're in. Because for mm. me, it's like I just go, wow, this person's really cool. I'm gonna have like interviews to like set them up, and mm. I don't have to actually think about the content. Like I can't even. I mean, do you have inspiration burnout? Like how? Does I mean, I think the you? same thing. I mean, I think the same thing could be applied to Twitter, right? Sometimes I look at Twitter yeah. and I'm like, what do I even say? Like, I got nothing. <laughs> that's that's like my content burnout is I'm like, I'm, I, don't, I don't have an opinion on this stuff. Like, I just yeah. I just don't have anything to say on this. Um, I did uh, a lot of improv in college, and mm -hmm. what's great about improv, and and I'm and I'm trying to do more improv while I'm in New York too. But what's awesome about improv and like that kind of mindset is that whenever I try to write a script, that, that premise that I talked about earlier, you're building a scene and you're building specific characters in it. And from then on, the easy part that I have found sometimes is just like creating dialogue off of that. And I've been able to do that a lot when it's whenever it's been like these scenes with different characters as companies and stuff like that. Um, and so I think that training kind of helped doing a lot of improv um, and just kind of always doing yes and, and, and following the momentum of a specific thing and, and trying to find like a button that you can rely on at the end of a story. Um, but, oh my God, burnout all the time. Like even, <laughs> even yesterday, I remember I messaged our editors and if I could give like another shout out, I've, I've name called a lot of people on this podcast and I hope they listen, but Dave Jorgensen from Washington Post, I don't know if you've seen his stuff, but he no. does two, he does two a day. He has two, two, uh, two, what exactly? two TikToks a day for Washington Ooh. Post. And it's yeah. incredible. Like the dude, and I know that there are like hype houses that churn out content and stuff like that. And I mean, we sh everybody should be talking more about like the mental health of the people who are like making this stuff. But, um, but yeah, like all the time you're just like, I, 
because we live in this niche world where it's like, I have to find something funny and it has to be about a news story. It has to be informative. Mm-hmm. It has to be about business. And so you're like, all right, I got nothing today. And I'll <laughs> ask people around Morning Brew if they have ideas. And some days I've been like, hey guys, I, I literally don't have it today. Um, yeah. can, can we just not post a video today? And, I, and I'll write, I'll write scripts for like the next like three and we'll just have scripts that I can like film later. But like uh, for today, for this specific news story, like I got nothing. And they've been understanding about that, which has been good. Yeah, I think it's like creator burnout is a thing that nobody has really spoken about until recently. And yeah. it's just like the need for content is just accelerating right and is a lot of pressure on people to just keep on producing over time um how are you kind of managing your mental health as a creator like it's it sounds like such a downer of a question but like I feel like people should talk about this more yeah I mean there was a great uh like I think the when it first came out that creators had mental health issues I mean everybody was like what like the people who are like doing this on TikTok or like sad, yeah. <laughs> like they, they like the, the phone goes down and then they're just like upset about life and like nihilistic. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, because there's an extent to the creator, like this whole like creator economy. Um, and I still don't like even know if that's like what I do, but like for, for people who are like self-sustaining creators too, I can imagine there's so much pressure because that's your lifeline. Like that is yeah. your source of income. Um, and like creativity, you kind of need uh, this. If people also came into this part of the podcast and I was like, creativity is, they would immediately leave, by the way. That was like the worst. No. I hope that if you no. use like a preview for this, they were like, I don't want to hear what this kid has to say about the creative process. But like for, um, there's a lot of like downloading you have to do, yeah. right? If you're just sitting by yourself or reading over stories or just like going for a walk, like that's all a process of downloading and you can't feel pressured to create anything and you need that time period. But if there's a constant need for you to produce stuff, then that's going to be exhausting. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, I'm not good at this. Um, Whatever I did in the past was just a fluke and I'm not. And also there's just the pure numbers game behind it, right? You go on TikTok and you're like, this didn't go viral. It didn't get a million views. I'm not getting the dopamine hit that I need for it. Uh, and that's making me feel bad about myself because you're literally putting yourself out there. You know, imagine if like billboards had like likes or like dislikes on it and, and the models who were on it projected their feelings off of that for anybody who walked by. I mean, that's essentially what social media is. I mean, do do you think that the mental health issues come from like lack of validation or the need of validation? Because I've often like looked at kind of mental health in this space because we've got our own creators and, I like to try to think, okay, like what is the core issue here? Is it that um, there's too much reliance on outside validation? Is it that it's just a lot of stress for a creator to have to produce content on like, you know, the pretty much for 24 hours if they can, what do you think is kind of like the key issue? Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends on what type of creator you are, right? I've seen Mm. great comedians who are just like, they just nail it and they won't, they'll post maybe once a week or once a month or something like that, but every mm-hmm. single one of their videos is just like stellar. And if that works for you, that's great. I don't know how you monetize off of that, but if you are one of those creators who goes strictly off of ad-based revenue, or you need to be doing deals and stuff like that, and people are asking you to come out with ideas, it's essentially like, you know, being your mini ad firm, but you need a new, you need like five new ideas every day. Yeah. And I was talking to um, uh, Matt Kobach about this, Kobach about this, and I was like, it's kind of a weird job, right? Where you're 
Like you don't hand in an assignment. Like you just have to come up with an idea. Like that's an absurd job to do. Like, I don't <laughs> know how you perks. can have kids. Oh, oh, no, it 100% does. And I think it's I'm, like, I'm blessed to, to, to be in the position that, that I'm in and I love my job, but it would just be so like strange to later in life, like have kids and a wife and be like, all right, I'm going to work. And then going to your office and just sitting and like thinking, <laughs> like I would be worried about my dad uh, if, if, if I was my kid, but um, I, I, it, creator mental health is definitely something that needs to be talked about more, but I think a lot of creators are actually starting that dialogue on their own. And just like how mm-hmm. anything starts on social media, once one person gets more comfortable talking about it, people realize it's a safe space. And especially on TikTok, there, there's, you, you see one video where somebody talks about how they feel anxious or like alone in the world. And you'll see millions of comments about people saying like, oh my gosh, like, like, thank you so much for posting this. I feel the same way too. It's clearly something that's out there. Going back to your question of if it's, if it's validation or if it's the need to constantly produce something, um, I think it's a mix of both, which is the safe answer, probably the boring answer. But I think validation is external validation is literally half of the game for social media, right? Mm. That's a numbers game with views and likes and everything like that. Um, unless you're on disco or something, but, uh, if, if you don't get that source of external validation, like if your first video doesn't hit like a million, uh, like views or something like that, then you do feel a need to produce immediately because you're like, Oh no, I need to get back up on that. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of a flywheel because once you have your next million viewed video, you're like, okay, 5 million next time, you know? So it's just, it's not healthy. Like, it, I mean, it's great because it, it allows for so much freedom of expression um, and so many diverse voices that really would never be shown in, in traditional media, um, which is like the, the, the blessing of, I think, all of this. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's like we said earlier, it's like taking a bandsaw to your mental health sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think with any job, there's kind of like the good and the bad. And I think that mental health is probably like one that creators, I guess, like I had, um, sigil when last week, like the human IPO and he was just so like, authentic about being like yeah like I'm the type of person that would upload a video of me crying online because it's like I feel like people need to see that like there's a person behind things and yeah I think like honesty and yeah vulnerability is now kind of being more shared and yeah how do you usually go about managing it mental health and Uh, whatnot I mean like my mental health is like when it comes to Twitter is not like the validation thing it's Mm -hmm. like it's like an addiction to just like seeing like the numbers right and it's like it's even if they go up and down it's it's just it makes me feel like really ick and like I'm a very different person when I'm on like Twitter mode to if somebody was to meet me in real life oh my gosh Twitter voices versus real life voices (laughs) are so (laughs) different you look at like half the people on Twitter and it will be like I probably can't swear on this podcast, but it'll just be like, F you, you like, I hate yeah, you. Like this yeah. guy's an idiot. And then you meet them in person and they're like, Hey, let's just have a civil conversation. Let's just have like, come, come to my dinner table and let's talk about this. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean like my, my alter ego, I think on Twitter, because you kind of like, I kind of need one to kind of get into that frame of mm. mind to just like produce like funny takes or I don't even know what I do to be honest, but yeah, yeah it's, um, there's a very different side of me when I'm on Twitter where I'm just like, 
I'm kind of just an asshole sometimes. Like I really have to like have a check on it, but. <laughs> Sorry, that eye roll wasn't because I think that you have been an asshole on Twitter. It's just that, yeah, like that happens because the, here's the thing is that like Twitter's absurd because it opens you up to so many voices and opinions, like oh, literally yeah. the world of voices and opinions. You're guaranteed to come across one or two each day, depending on how much time you spend on it, that you don't agree with. But it's yeah. in front of you. And if you really feel strongly about it, which is probably why it's shown up on your feed, because those are the posts that get promoted the most from the algorithm or like the most visceral, you read that and it would be something that you weren't even thinking about. Like you have a, like maybe your job is completely separate from whatever they're talking about. This guy could be like, I hate dogs. They're the worst mammal. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't believe that. And you're like, well, here's my take. Yeah. It's like, I didn't need to give that take. Like that guy is fine. Like living his life, not liking yeah. dogs and I can do that. But Twitter for some reason is just like, Hey, I bet you got something to say about this. And you're like, well, I do Twitter. Thank you for giving me this platform. <laughs> it's like, I think it's a character limit. Like you just have to really strip away any form of humanity to get your point across with yeah. that character limit. <laughs> like, that's, that's how I feel about TikTok. That's, that's how I feel about 60 second videos. You yeah. know, it's just like, you want to do so much with some stuff. Um, but then, you know, Instagram reels is like, no, it's gotta be 60 seconds. And then attention spans are like, I don't watch past 15 seconds. Yeah. So. so you really have to kind of fit it all in, but actually yeah. that's a really good kind of segue into, um, your maybe like three pieces of advice for mm. creators, um, looking to kind of grow their reach. Like I know that you're, you're mostly with morning brew, right? Like you don't have your own channel or anything like that. Or? No, I mean, I'm a full-time employee for morning brew. Yeah. Um, I'm a staff member. So the, uh, that, that wasn't a brag. I mean, it not like a brag. I'm does not a brag. You're like, at all. I'm a staff member. <laughs> I I'll just like, have, what? you know, <laughs> wait, wait, where is it? Hold, hold up. Don't tell them that I use this as a pen cup. Please don't tell them that. I only have one of these, but here, wait one second. I'll, this is going to look really bad. Wait, can we, we can make this the thumbnail where you can be. There I am. Um, <laughs> I'm a staff member, by the way. Yeah. Also, regular people get these. These are not like, okay, not that regular people are worse, but what I meant, three pieces of advice <laughs> are, um, number one, first and foremost, is just like, make sure that it's something that you love doing, right? Like people, sh people should enter this because it, it is a grind. Like mm. it is, it is a lot to do this stuff every day to come up with a new idea every day, um, to, to, to produce this stuff. And you got to make sure that like, at the end of the day, you love it because, uh, there's this artist who I love, um, whose name I forget, which I guess means I don't <laughs> actually love him that much, but he said like, you have to wake up every day, reminding yourself that you get to do something rather than you have to do something. And oh my gosh, there have been days where I'm like, I don't want to write anything today. I don't want to be funny. I want to crawl in a hole and be a turtle. And uh, once I've realized that like, no, I get to write this stuff as a job, that has made it worth it again and again and again and again. Even mm -hmm. after a video bombs, you're just like, well, I can do the next one. Yeah. That would be my first piece of advice. Make sure that's something that you actually love doing because you'll, you'll, it'll be, you'll get miserable doing it if, if you stick with it and you don't actually like it. Um, number two is like always borrow, borrow from people that you admire, borrow from people that you just randomly find on the internet because there's more stuff out there than ever, but borrow consciously and don't like, let that be a distraction. Sometimes I've been scrolling through TikTok because I've been looking to like, you know, see if there's anything like, maybe there's a trend I can follow or something like that. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, you've just been watching like basketball <laughs> highlights for an hour. Like you're not, you're not being inspired right now, my guy. Um, but Allowing yourself to, because like everything is inspired by something else. I mentioned like six people that I'm inspired by throughout this mm -hmm. whole conversation. 
uh, like I, you know, I look up to Colbert, like more than, more than any comedian probably. Um, and there's a lot of my humor that's influenced, uh, by him, uh, which I mean to say I'm another white guy talking, but, uh, the third piece of advice that I have is, um, you like, you, you know, I talked about like downloading earlier. Yeah. Absolutely necessary part of all of this. There have been points in time, like for people who really want to grind it out, they're like, I won't leave this chair. Like I got to keep going for the next like 20 minutes because of some arbitrary rule that they have for themselves that leaving to take a walk or leaving to go for a run or workout or meditate or any of this stuff would be wasting time away from work, but actually it mm-hmm. will make you more productive in the long run, but also measuring yourself by productivity isn't healthy either. I actually think it will just make your work better and yeah. bring your work closer to where you want it to be. Um, and if I'm going to throw in a fourth rule there, which Ooh, is just like, lucky. Oh, I know, I know. The fourth rule is just like profusely thank people that have gotten Ooh. you to where you are. Like never forget to do that. Uh, there have been so many people that, that I've met. And based on this interview, you would think that the only people I've met in life were through internships, but believe it or not, I have, I have a network outside of that. And um, I, I like try to routinely remind people like, uh, how much what they've done for me in the past means to me, or just what they continue to do means, means to me. Um, and I'm not contractually obligated by morning brew to say that that's actually like, that's a mental health thing. When you realize that there are people like who are in the physical real world who are there for you. Um, that's another, like, that's just a piece of life advice. So that's just not even for creators. That's just for like humans. Um, It kind of sounds like morning brew is like a really great place to work. Yes. You kind of have to say that too. (laughs) It is. It's a great place to work. No, I mean, Morning Brew does a really good job of hiring people. I was talking to Amanda Getz about this the other day. uh, And she said, Morning Brew like has this weird combination of just like smart, like motivated and just like good people. You know, she was like, people at Morning Brew just seem to be like genuinely good people. And, uh, and I've definitely found that in my experience with the company. And perhaps you've found that through this interview too. I I certainly hope so, but I'll leave that (laughs) up to you, uh, and and the viewers. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Great. Well, I mean, are you, do you have any kind of plans to create more content outside of Morning Brew at all? Like, do you have any projects on the horizon with Morning Brew? How are things looking Um, for you on that landscape? Yeah, this is how I announced my retirement. No, I uh, will be. We're, so we got actually a lot of. Um, we we have a lot of cool stuff coming up for video for Morning Brew. Um, longer form video that will not just be TikToks, um, which I'm excited to get up to to be a part of. Uh, I'm not going to say anything more than that. That'll be Ooh. it. But uh, that that's pretty much it in terms of my own stuff. Um, there, I. Look, I can't compete with the PRSPR podcast, so I don't think I'll be. I don't think I'll be creating my own anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but uh, I use my personal TikTok account as like a burner morning brew account. It's like yeah. all my rejected pitches go there. So <laughs> that's pretty much those are that's pretty much all I can manage right now. I'm not at a good place yet with like my my Twitter following or like my following in general. So it's like I got to do that before I pick up any new projects. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean actually this this was like not kind of something we were going to talk about, but do you Uh-oh. find that people in, <laughs> don't worry. Do you yeah. find that people? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I only answer pre-prepared questions, obviously. First of all, like you've made my morning really great. Um, I, I told you, blogs. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a top three podcast episode for you. I don't know. Like, I know I don't have the biggest Twitter following, but I'm hoping to at least have the brightest shirt. 
for anybody yeah. they've interviewed. <laughs> You'll definitely have like the top <laughs> place for best dressed. Um, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I see a lot of people on TikTok trying to break through on Twitter and not so much the other way around. Do you mm. kind of see that yourself too? I kind of see it as like a simultaneous thing, right? Mm. I started to be really active on Twitter the same time I started to be really active on TikTok. Um, and I, so I just kind of see it as like a hybrid, like, you know, just kind of expanding my tentacles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's just kind of like whichever one, I mean, obviously morning brew TikTok has a much bigger following than, than any of my accounts combined times like five, but, um, I think, uh, yeah, it's just kind of simultaneous for me. I know there's a lot of TikTokers who will post like, yo, if you like this video, check it out on my Instagram. <laughs> and like, you got the voice and like, everything. <laughs> oh my, uh, the, uh, yeah. Um, but they're like, yeah, make sure you go on my Twitter or my Instagram. And it's just like, because that's where they probably make the most money or is on those platforms. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't, uh, I haven't had to do that yet, even though I film ads for morning brew. So that's pretty much like my equivalent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if everybody, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, would they just do that through Twitter? What's the best way? Yeah. I'm like, again, my following isn't so big enough where I'm, where I like have in my bio, it's like, doesn't respond to DMs. I get it. I get a DM and I'm as happy as people who get something like in the physical mail. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, when you get like a piece of fist, yeah. When you get a piece of physical mirror, you're like, what is this? Like, um, yeah, I know. I feel like it was like wartime when people would get like letters from their spouses who were overseas. That's how I feel about DMs. I'm like, really? <laughs> um, so that's, uh, follow me on twitter yeah um at dh to me is my twitter handle um and that's also what i am on instagram and also just like follow the morning brew account on tiktok uh because i see those dms as well <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming on prosper podcast it's yeah been... of course <laughs> top three <laughs> episode <laughs> Woo! Let's make top it happen. Three right here. let's do it <laughs> <laughs>